Hello and welcome back to Comeback. As usual, I am your host Connor, and as you are aware by now, I enjoy interviewing people from Saigon, Vietnam, and all around the world on a wide variety of topics, from entrepreneurship, creativity, self-development, and much, much more. Today, my guest is initially from America and is currently based in Saigon alongside me. It is Nicole Wong, and we are going to talk primarily self-development and see where we go. Nicole wears many hats, including teaching, life coaching, and more. And I'm looking forward to seeing where this goes. Welcome, Nicole. How are you? Hi. So official. I'm almost nervous right now. <laughs> I suppose I've had the practice. This is four nine something. And four hundred people before me. Indeed, yeah. And I think That's hopefully. Amazing. That means that I've kind of got some kind of grasp of how to conduct an interview. Definitely have a rhythm for, for sure. Go I should ahead. hope so. Yeah. <laughs> I listened back recently to my first ever interview, yeah. and I, I'm not. I'm sure you do listen, yeah. listen, or look at your previous projects mm -hmm. and cringe when you look back at the first. Um, yeah, I can imagine. Like when I first taught yoga, I was just kind of like very like quiet and casual, and now like there's definitely that rhythm. That rhythm is super important. Yeah, it makes you feel like you're in a flow, and you have to think less. It's nice. It's almost like an alter ego in a way. Oh yeah, I can see that. Yeah. You almost literally go, step into teach economy mode or teach yeah. Nicole mode or and Like suddenly, phrases just like kind of flow out. Yeah, yeah. And you almost put on a customer service voice and think, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's not me. And I actually have some close friends <laughs> and family <laughs> who listen to me on this and say, that's yeah. not you. Like I'll, I'll introduce really? someone and go, welcome to Vietnam. And they'll go, <laughs> Excuse me? <laughs> With a smooth jazz radio host voice. <laughs> that's what I try. Who are you? The, the reason I ask you that is because you so were, we're starting. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, oh God. You wear many hats. I mean, when okay. I know you've done modeling, I know you've done teaching, we've mentioned yoga there, life coaching. And as I was researching you, I didn't know which angle because you do so many things. So I suppose I'll let you describe who, who are you? Uh, what is the main thing? Oh my God, that's hard. It's like, mm, it's almost like um, someone who's like lived in a bunch of places and they're like, oh, which one do you, uh, kind of relate most to which one do you feel is home? It's kind of weird to like just choose one um, right now Yeah, I couldn't I couldn't really say like I think the thing the biggest thing would be just teaching in general um, Because that kind of can go into English teaching or yoga or like kind of more of a life coaching angle um, so yeah, kind of like a teaching sort of mm. <laughs> area you describe yourself as like a teacher I think so. Oh. I mean, I'm trying to think. I also love being a student, though. Like, I love learning from people, and I love like having that beginner's mindset and just like being super humbled and just being super quiet and like just quieting everything, the ego and everything, and just listening to like what this person who I'm obviously perceiving is much more knowledgeable than me, and just like listening and absorbing. That's super fun too. I think it goes both ways then. Yeah, and I think the more you teach, the more you realize you are a student. Oh yeah, for sure. Mm. Like you will learn more from your students often than yourself. For sure, mm. yeah. Yeah, and I think I had to be a student for a very long time before I ever wanted to be a teacher. Because mm. I always, I think, I think it's a confidence build-up thing as well. Because yeah, like for me, I'm a little bit of a perfectionist. So until I know like a good, good chunk of information on the topic, like I will never pretend that I can teach it to anyone. Mm -hmm. Like I needed to kind of be past the level of just competence on something in order to be like, okay, like, let me, let me have some students under me. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? I know, right? It's a good question. Mm. I don't know. I think it builds self-awareness. And I think a lot of people should 
follow similar route of making yeah. sure you're really competent before you yeah. begin, especially yeah. on social media. But also, it can hold you back. Where it can hold you in back. terms of say imposter it syndrome, it has held me back. Mm. It has held me back a lot. Um, that's why it's been as long as it has been before I started teaching. I started teaching actually in Mexico City when I was traveling there. And then I was kind of like very like uh, hesitant to stepping into that space. But then I went to like, uh, I think like a little workshop or something. And the girl who was teaching, um, I was like, <laughs> this sounds kind of bad to say, but I'm like, oh, I could do that way better than what that girl just did. And I was like, Okay, let me, let me try to step into this space. I kind of talked to the girl a bit. And, um, and then I kind of like took that little chunk of experience back to Vietnam when I came back six months ago. Excellent. Yeah. And it's been going pretty well. Been a, been a fun ride, yeah. Kind of have to meet the right people as well to have like a venue and like all the like logistics. Mm. But I think to meet the fun to talk about that. Yeah, <laughs> to meet the right people, you have to be the right person. As in, you have to make yourself, I suppose, the most competent version of yourself, and then you'll naturally attract it. If you go back to say law of attraction concepts, sure. Yeah, yeah. I'd certainly advocate that based on what I've seen a in my own life with my own experience, mm. but also those I've met around me. Yeah, <laughs> I was talking to this guy last night, and uh, he was like, "I really want a girlfriend. I really want a wife." And then I was, I told him. Literally, this is so funny that it's going so parallel. I was like, but do you want to be a husband? Like, are you that person that someone would seek out if they wanted a partner, a good partner? So, yeah, you have to make yourself the right person in order to get the right people around you. And also hold the mirror to yourself. Again, in that example of saying, okay, I want, I want, I want, but what can I give? You know, that has to be some kind of reciprocity. And so many people are so in the ego and stuff. They're like, I want this around me, I want this around me, but... What can you give back? Mm. Can we talk a little bit about the ego? Because I'm exploring my relationship with my ego, right? As we all should be. As we all should be. I used to think, and I'm debating this in my mind, you can perhaps correct me or give your view, that sometimes ego is a good thing, a bit of ego. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. if you're completely driven by that, it can be very, very dangerous. What's your thoughts on the ego? I think I'm just gonna like spew out because I have not really organized this in my brain. So let's just go stream of consciousness. Um, <clears throat> I think if you're just driven by the ego, so ego is basically like an image of yourself that you are kind of aiming to portray to others for the sake of others perceiving you in a good way. It doesn't really have anything to do with your own relationship to yourself. It's really about like, trying to get the validation from the people around you and stuff. And so you're kind of puffing out your chest a bit and like you're trying to perhaps um, achieve these very visible achievements so that people can be like, oh, like, look on this paper of the resume of your life or whatever and be like he achieved a b and c and that's amazing like he earns this much money or like he has this social group or whatever um so it's a dangerous thing you're correct it's a dangerous thing because no matter how much you achieve you will never be happy with yourself 
and I know people like this, I think, and <clears throat> people that like kind of used to be in my life, and uh, and they always thought that, oh, if I take this one step in my career, I'll be a little happier, and then of course there's another step after that. And I think so, on the other side of that, if you're operating from a place of kind of a tamed ego, so it's still kind of there, like you still want to build yourself and stuff, you have, so ego provides drive, right, a little bit. Um, so if you're operating from a place where it's tamed and like you have like a more relationship to self, like your deeper core self, than your outer shell ego, then I think a few things happen. One, you can give yourself the proper congratulations with each step. You can give yourself the gratitude that you, you deserve. Um, and then if you fail in any of those steps, I don't think you'll beat yourself up as hard because you have that self-love. And I think self-love and ego um, although a lot of people kind of more or less equate them to each other, they're complete opposite sides of the spectrum. I made the mistake until the age of 21 of thinking they were the same thing. And so many people do it until the age of, I don't know. 81. 80, <laughs> 81, whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, so they are opposite sides of the spectrum, like I said. Yeah, and it completely smacked me in the face when I made the realization. And that. honestly, it needed to. And for me, it might be like it might happen like several times along your journey and stuff like that. Um, little um, realizations, it doesn't have to be exactly that one, but other realizations that you're like, what? How did I think that before? How did I think that when I was like young? How can it be so dumb? And that is life that's being dumb, that's having the wrong impressions, that's, uh, you know. That's how it goes. Yeah, that's how it goes. Then and it needs to. It does, it does. Yeah. And the next layer I have to that is, I suppose, the concept of enough, where enough. we mentioned there, there's always one step, where if you think just this advancement in my career will make me happy, yeah. just a little bit more money, just this partner, just this, there's always a just this. Yeah, just a relationship. <laughs> just this, yeah. just, just, just. When does it stop and when do you think enough is enough? I mean, that's the, I suppose that's the eternal mm. question, the concept of enough. Um... Okay. Do you have a take on this? <laughs> I did say prior to the recording that you could ask me questions, <laughs> and now I'm, you know, kind of I beating myself know. up. Do I? Because I have enough? a slight take, but I want to hear what. Yeah, fair point. Enough. <sighs> I think it's when the ego has complete absence, when you don't actually. Is that possible? Yeah. You think so? <laughs> Yeah. Okay. But I think it takes work. Uh -huh. I think it takes real like? work. What does it take? The absence of the ego. Yeah, complete. Complete. Yeah. I think just an inner feeling of just contentment, and I'm real, real yeah. satisfaction. As in, when you've when you've achieved enough, right? Okay. Whatever enough is to you. Yeah. Then you don't actually have any desire whatsoever to alter it to make it look slightly better. You don't have the desire to go and really tell people. You don't have the desire to showcase it. You don't have the desire to keep pushing it or exaggerate it or embellish it. It's just what it is okay. and you're very comfortable with that. That's what I would say enough is when you're at that point of serenity where there's no conflict with what's there. Mm -hmm. It's just stillness. It, it is what it is. 
That's my hot take, but okay. I might change my mind to see. Um, so it's possible to have contentment without any presence of desire, you think? Contentment without any presence of desire? Yeah. You mean as in... Because like you're like, you're not desiring anything, you're not desiring mm. that embellishment, you're not desiring any like layer on top of what you already have. I don't know if... I don't know if that's possible for me. I'm just imagining what that would look like, <laughs> maybe farther down in my life or something, um, to like wake up and be like, I don't want anything else. Um, I think it's kind of fun to have desire. I think it's kind of fun to have something that you want that you can kind of work a little bit to achieve because I think a lot of fun in life is the work. Um, like I think a lot of fun in like self-development is the work. Um, of course it hurts at, at times, but like there's like this, it's almost like a little game to like get over that little pain and extract the little gem of wisdom that the pain has to offer. Um, so I think that I don't really want desire completely to disappear. And I think everyone has like a different like little definition of desire as well. So yours can look a little bit different than mine in, in your head, but I'm just kind of mm. talking about like what my image of desire is. Um, what was the initial question that I asked? That the, asked? the initial question that I asked and then you flipped on me yes. was what is enough? What is enough? Okay. Oh. Um, okay. So I was supposed to piggyback off what you said, but now I'm kind of losing my train of thought. Mm. Uh, so it kind of like goes hand in hand with like the whole work is fun type of thing. Um, whatever you do in life, like, I know a lot of people like are like, oh, my job is just something that I can do to have the funds to kind of support the things that I like to do, but you should like your job. So you should like whatever it is that you choose. It doesn't have to be like a high status thing and stuff like that. And I know a lot of people in this world like put a ton of value on that. And uh, so I'm kind of like really happy that I chose the things that I chose and like, that I'm excited about them. So um, going back to the question, I think that intrinsically when you say like how much is enough, you're kind of thinking in, or not you, but like the general you, um, thinking in the kind of the scope of the thing that I just described when you're like kind of earning to achieve like, you know, things, mm -hmm. <laughs> experiences, whatever, money. Um, and so like you're like oh how much do I work until like I have enough to fund these things that I like to have around me these things that give me pleasure but if you're working from the scope the latter one that I described you're not really you're not really earning like coins you're not earning like points like that um, so you will already be at a point where it's enough. Like, mm -hmm. you will be enjoying what you do every day. That will be fulfilling for you. That will be satisfactory. Like, yeah. Mm, I, I think it depends where the desire is coming from. Okay. As in, if you're doing it for an intrinsic reason. Sure. I'll try and think of an example. Let's say painting. You just, you paint just because you're really enjoying the process. And time stops when you're doing it. You're yes. just completely all there, in the zone, in the moment, with the in painting. The flow, we call in the flow, In the flow state. Uh, but then if you're doing it because you want to win a competition or sure. 
uh, get more likes on your Instagram or something like that, then it becomes tricky, if you know what I mean. Perfect example. So yeah, yeah, I think it depends where the desire is coming from energetically. Right. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. That's my take. That's my take. But we'll see. Things, Things might change. However, I do think goals are important. I completely agree with you there where... And it is the pro- the fun in the process of actually going for something. Mm-hmm. I've often looked back, and you can hear millions more people say what I'm about to, at uh, things I've wanted to achieve. And then once I've done it, the high lasts about three or four seconds. Really? Only? Yeah, yeah, probably. <laughs> Not even a full day. <laughs> Maybe a day. Depends on what it is, right? Okay, okay. But then, let's say a day most, and then... It's like the sun still shines. <laughs> I still wake up the same. I still brush my teeth like normal. And I think, oh, nothing really changed. I, I, I somehow thought the world would be before and after. But okay. No. Yeah. And then a question for you. Is it the same with failure? Yeah, definitely. It is. It, is, it only yeah. lasts a few seconds. Um, oh, no, 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 no. Sorry. I mean, um, everything else is kind of the same in terms of the sun will still shine whether I fail or succeed. Right. But does it last longer? Mm-hmm. 100%. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 100%. Like as humans, like, I don't know where there's like a quote or like some sort of scientific thingy thing um but like we hold all the negatives so much closer to us than the positives and it should really be flipped that's why like i really advocate for gratitude and like thanking yourself and thanking the universe for giving you the gifts and stuff yeah not to sound too (laughs) no but it's good to do that even on a microscopic level I woke up today, like I have eyes that I can see. Um, sure. I, I said that's microscopic, that's actually enormous. Because if you took that away, there'd be an enormous change to your mm-hmm. life, literally. Mm-hmm. But I literally, anything, I will look mm-hmm. around, oh, the clouds look nice today, or this water bottle is hydrating me. Just think of mm-hmm. the smallest possible things. And I read somewhere that for every one bad thing, you can probably counter it with nine good things. Sure. Yeah, and when I heard that, I thought, a nice little yeah. shift, a nice little shift. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Here, I'm going to go a bit deeper into, I suppose, your background. Let's go. Let's go into it. it. (laughs) Uh, What do I need to know about you in terms of your early years back in California to understand the person who's sat in front of me today? Like, what did you go through? What were the formative experiences? Interesting that you tagged on to understand the person you are today. Because I feel like, are those the same people? (laughs) Um, uh, You mean in my childhood or like... Yeah. Mm, perhaps, yeah, because I often think it comes from the early years. There's the f- f- quote or phrase, show me the ch- yeah. show me the eight-year-old, I'll show you the adult. Yeah, and that's yeah. why I have um, such a passion for working with kids and talking to them and like, you know. Um, uh, so I didn't have a good childhood. I uh, had like a mom who had uh, pretty strong narcissistic tendencies. Uh, and it was very abusive and then of course coming out of an abusive childhood um, a child coming into like her adult years will find a partner who mirrors what she's used to he's used to what they're familiar with right and so that's exactly what I did and that kind of was the more or less jumping off point for me to leave (laughs) leave the US. Um, I was in an abusive relationship for two years and uh, this person was a very magnified version of my mom actually. He was like full on like narcissistic personality disorder and like anyone I think that comes out of a relationship like that suddenly becomes like an expert in it because they're like when they come out of it 
and I've heard this, I say they, because like, I know that this happens like um, as a pattern, because <clears throat> I've talked to like other, I don't like to use word survivors, but for lack of a better term, I will use survivors, survivors of narcissistic abuse. Um, they kind of just plunge into research because they're like, what? Yeah. Like, what the fuck just happened? Like, I have no idea. I was, like, in this alternate reality with this... Per- the reality, like, you know, that this person like, kind of created for me um, to, like, kind of isolate me. And then I've kind of just come out of that. And I'm like, what What happened? I need to know why. I need to know why. And they're, they're just, like, researching. This is what I did. And so I suddenly became, like, this expert. I could tell you everything that there is about this disorder. And, but anyway, so... <clears throat> got out of that um, and I was like I need to physically leave where is the place that least resembles Southern California which is where I'm from and I was thinking I needed like a tropical country I was thinking like um, Hawaii I was thinking Thailand which I ended up going to um, Bali I think was one of the options as well and I picked Thailand I stayed there for like seven months I liked it, but didn't love it. And then I came here um, because like a few people who I met in Thailand came here and they were like, oh, come with us. I was like, sure. They came here for job opportunities. I came here to just chill for a sec before I went back home. And of course, I have yet to go back home and I have no plans to. Um, but yeah, that, that's my little thing. Mm. Of course, I viewed very far from your question, which was um, what, what happened in my childhood years. Do you want to ask you something more specific about that so yeah no I, yeah. I think I it needed was very general what I, I, said. I did need it at a general overview though and it's okay. interesting that the theme of narcissism keeps coming up and in terms of I suppose understanding abusive patterns I'm very lucky <clears throat> I don't believe that I've come into very direct contact with narcissism okay. I've, I've definitely had experiences but never too close how did you know yeah. it was a because of, because I'd understood from speaking to other people with, and suddenly ah. it clocked I thought oh my god yeah it's X. really hard to like identify the mm. uh, little um, tells I guess yeah. when you haven't fully been been immersed with like in, in a relationship with a person like this um, so like people who like you who haven't had like very direct contact like I'm surprised you'd be able to even point it out because a lot of narcissists are very covert and they're very good at what they do they're smart and that's why they can you know be as manipulative as they are because they know how to navigate like the psyche of people and it's like really crazy and and after I did all the research to like kind of get over the like why of it I started just doing it because it was like fascinating like these people are like sociopaths almost like walking amongst normal people with empathy and like feelings and they're just like they feel like they are kind of more or less a level above everyone else acting as like puppeteers and it's just crazy to me to think of that way is it this might I, I don't is, actually yeah. know yeah. can it be developed narcissism can it be developed um <clears throat> so i don't think that this is something that you're born with it is something that happens as a coping mechanism for trauma that you experienced in your early uh, formative years um so to this day i don't know what happened to my mom to like make her like this she's extremely private about all of that and um all she's ever told us about us being me and my younger sister about her childhood was like 
you know, these glowing, like beautiful scenes. Like I've never heard one single negative thing. That's one interesting, super interesting thing about like her. Like she's literally never said one bad thing about her childhood and really about her life in general. And I think that's like the first, you know, it's like kind of a red flag to like, because you can't be honest. Like that, that's not honesty for sure. Always trying to paint something positively or embellish. yeah, or omit completely. Um, so yeah, uh, something happened to her, um, and I don't know what it is. Same thing with the abusive person. I have no real idea of what happened. I think that the relationship, however, was way more based on lies than my, than how kind of like my mom operates. I don't think she straight up lies and like creates stories, but I think that's what this guy did. Um, so to this day, like, I don't know if anything that he ever told me is true at all. And that's really weird to think about. Can I ask, regarding, say, if you spend a lot of time with people, you naturally pick up tendencies. Like, yes. you are the sum of the five you spend the most time with. Yes. And it's often said that those who are bullies were bullied, and that's why they got into it. Right. And that might, I, I'm getting this, this might be... I've not got no scientific theory. Just, I think maybe with a narcissist, that could also be a case. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, I could I could definitely have taken... There's there's one of two routes, right? I could, have, I could be, like, a complete narcissist right now. I could just mirror completely and just, like, take all that trauma and want to dump that onto other people. Um, but I just found really... I think that um, probably as a kid, like, I probably... It, some tendencies probably seeped into like who I was, but once I separated myself um, physically and also like don't really communicate with them that much anymore, my, my family, um, every once in a while I will. And they're, they're better, like in small doses, of course, right? Um, but yeah, like when there was that separation, I was able to kind of find who I am separate from that. And, and I think that, I don't know why, but like choosing the option of, being like a horrible person just sounded so unappealing and like i don't know like i didn't want to be a bad person i don't know how else to say that yeah. Sounds very, you get to a crossroads like, don't you yeah but it's good yeah. you can take responsibility there where a lot of people who are i don't use the word victim but let's say victim sure. to circumstance yep. can then easily go oh well it happened to me and then subconsciously go oh, yeah. down that route and they can almost identify with it but it takes a lot of mental strength and courage to go out the opposite and say i'm not going to be identified like this i deliberately choose ruby and i think correct and i think that um i also was really fortunate to when i when i left um uh, my parents' house to go to university. I was surrounded by people who I was were very far from that, and uh, and I think that people inspire me a lot. Like I take a lot of inspiration from people. Like when I'm, I'm just very like um, kind of spongy <laughs> when it comes to like relationships. Um, like even when I'm going through like anything, like I rarely process completely on my own. I'm always asking for feedback and I'm not always accepting it. Like just um, like uh, without filter, but like I I like to get a lot of feedback from like sources that I feel are, you know, trustworthy enough and just like receive everything. I might not resonate with everything, every single thing that they say, but 
yeah, I think I'm very affected by the people around me. And so really happy that like the people that were surrounding me in university were good. <laughs> we're not narcissistic, we're not manipulative. Um, interestingly, I did go into that relationship in university, that, that um, abusive one. But the other people, like my friends and stuff like that, were good. And I think that um, it kind of made me able to connect with like my own emotions, which was something that I was unable to do throughout my childhood. Like it was literally hard for me to physically cry at certain times. Like I couldn't, I was not, I was so out of touch with myself. And of course this was a coping mechanism mm. of like, cause you're, if you're always feeling every, every emotion that your feet, that, that comes to you, like when you're in like the situation that gives you constant negative stimulation, you would die, you would fall apart. So um, I created the, this barrier. Of course I did, I wasn't fully conscious of this barrier at the time. Um, but now I, looking back, I can see that it was clearly that. Um, I was able to see these people emoting and see these people connecting and see, see, see these people like uh, craving connection amongst each other and I was like oh that's nice I like that and I'm inspired by that so then I became you know I started I didn't become this person immediately uh, but I started like that journey of mm. uh, you know be becoming connected to myself and and desiring connection like real connection to other people for sure I think growing up I literally can't say like in in the uh, kind of traditional sense of the word like friends like that you feel like you can exchange like stories and you can exchange like um, support with each other like I didn't have a single one growing up like that so I was able to kind of um, teach myself I guess the ability to do that Mm -hmm. it, it's, it's tough isn't it when you kind of think right hang on what sort of person am I especially when you've been subject to dark influences let's say mm -hmm. yeah. and surrounding yourself with the right environment and the right people absolutely essential it makes all the difference from everyone I've spoken to yeah. I mean that's probably when I eventually do like my book on my podcast I will literally say it's like step one is find the right people <laughs> okay. because it, it keeps coming up and Interesting. I, and I noticed from my own hmm. situations, when I've done well, the right people are there. When I've not done well, I've been around wrong people. And I oh. think, hmm, maybe it's the people. Maybe it's important that I become the person to get around the people. Like it's, I said earlier. It's a, it's a you know. It's, a, it's an is. I've got my own theory that there are two things you need to do to find the right people. I'm about to ask you how to find the right people. Okay. Preempt. Let me hear these two things. <laughs> my, my two theories are, one, do things that you really like to do. Sounds very basic, but literally, if you really enjoy, let's say, sport and music, mm -hmm. throw yourself into them and do it as much as possible. You will, your passion will shine through for those. Mm -hmm. You will find like-minded people. That's number one. Number two is be the person that you really want to be and be the person that you think you truly are because then naturally that energy field will get them. Whilst if you say pretend to be a hipster or what else, mm. you're gonna get, and if you be a pretender, you're gonna meet pretenders and then therefore mm. when you're all faking it, mm -hmm. you're, you know, it's, it's gonna end yeah. in disaster. And yeah. it, it might look cool for two weeks, but <laughs> it's gonna flop. Okay. That's my theory. Okay. What's, your, what's have, yours? Okay, so um, I was thinking of two things that you, uh, uh, while you were saying those two things. The first one was, what if you're like really unhealthy? What if partying is the thing that you're super passionate about and you just like to get wasted all the time? Like, uh, are you asking this to me? Yeah. Um, I think, right, I've got an interesting relationship with partying. Yeah. I think partying is great in many ways. Uh. 
when you're doing it for the right reasons. Okay. Similar to where um, where the energy is coming from. If right. you're doing it because you genuinely like connecting with people, mm -hmm. then great. I don't think that's two issues as long as it's done in moderation and you're aware of the risks. But if you're doing it to escape, yes. like I have met a lot of people and I'm not judging because oh, yeah. I've been one, they're yes. partying every weekend. Yes. And I've actually asked them, why are you doing this? Oh, because it's fun. But then I've been around them and they're not fun at the party. <laughs> like, I said, they're not having fun. You look miserable. Yeah, yeah. And I've actually done it before where I've been there at 4 a.m. Yeah. And I've been partying all night. Mm -hmm. And I look around and think, hang on, is this fun? I'm not having fun. Mm. I'm, like, I'm going to think, right. I'll a lot have... of awareness at 4 a.m. in the morning. <laughs> well, yeah, so stuff would Very connected off. to yourself at that time. <laughs> and I'm thinking, well, if I have three more beers, it's not going to change the quality of this night. The night's gone. And I, everyone around me, nobody's actually having fun. The next day, everyone's going to say, oh, it was great. I'm like, yeah, it was good for like, what, a few minutes at your time? And you're kind of, you're altering your reality. So I think it depends on like why you're doing the partying. Mm. I, for example, I'm never going to sit here as somebody who's partied quite regularly and say, oh, it's all bad. It's a waste of time. Oh, yeah. Be productive. Sometimes it's brilliant. Yeah. When it's with the right company, when it's for the right reasons, when it's not escaping, I think it's fine. Mm -hmm. So I think you can get connection through that. I think it's a very good tool to network, to connect. So yeah, I think a lot of nights out in my life, I don't, you know, I'm very, very happy I've done. Yeah. yeah. I'll use the bounce though. A lot of nights out were forgettable. But when I look back from my period 18 to 21, I went to every night out because I thought I can't miss out. Yeah. Looking back, I could have missed out on 80% of those nights okay, okay. but some are amazing and I'll remember yeah. for the rest of my life yeah and I think it, uh, I was thinking like when you were describing that this you can also relate flow to this because if you don't feel that flow like social flow is a thing I think uh, I've never thought of this before until you just <laughs> kind of described it right now but like it's a thing like you feel like very like you're jiving with like everyone like the drinks are feeling good in your body um, yeah so I think if ever there's a loss of that feeling, like maybe the way that you felt at 4 a.m., there might have been a halt in the flow and you're just kind of like, oh, where am I, you know, uh, looking around. Um, that's when you kind of need to step out and be like, this isn't funny anymore. And, and your second thing, can you remind me what that was? Because I had something to say about that as well. I forgot. My second thing, you mean in terms of the social flow? Uh, you were saying that there's two things that you need to. Um, the second one is be the person that you really want to be. Okay. And, yeah. One is do the things you really like to do. Second is be the person you really want to be. Mm -hmm. Where if you want to be the person who sits and have, has stimulating conversations, mm -hmm. start a podcast and do it. I'm using my own example. <laughs> yeah. Um, which, yeah. It, I, I did and I met the right people. It's no coincidence. And the people I didn't like hanging around with who I was dropped off. Coincidence? I don't think not. Hmm. So before you did this, mm. like you had other people around you now. Yeah, before I did this, I didn't have that many people around me. Okay. I, I had a f only a few, and there's a reason why there wasn't that many, because of me. Because I wasn't, do I wasn't doing myself justice. I'll give some context. I come to Vietnam at 22, so just imagine coming to Vietnam at 22. Uh, I indulged in my first year. Really enjoyed... Who hasn't? <laughs> really enjoyed certain parts, but it kept getting more and more monotonous. Yes. Of, oh yeah, we're just partying this weekend, yeah. yeah. And the sessions got more and more boring. And it hit me, I've not actually got that many friends. And the ones I do have, most of them are pretty negative. And I wouldn't, you know, if I was thriving at my best, I wouldn't be hanging around with you. And I knew that full well. And I thought, hang on, if I carry on like this, I will end up in the same place. I can't have this. So I'll do something I really want to do. And so I you know, started doing the podcasting and showed a different side of my personality where if you ask them you know, what is Connor like, they would say a very, very different version to the one I became because mm. I wasn't showing it. I love that. 
that. Once I showed it, suddenly no contact. I love that. For example, uh, the conversations. That's so heartwarming. <laughs> instead, uh, I love that. Instead of talking about, let's say, I don't know, meaning of life or things I actually cared about. Yeah. We were just talking about what X said about Y and what Z. <laughs> yes. And oh I, yeah. <laughs> I, I'd say to them, oh yeah, well I've got this idea for a podcast. Oh cool, cool. X said this. And like, <laughs> Ooh, red flag. So yeah, I cut a lot yeah, of people yeah. off, and I don't regret it at all. Yeah, that sounds very healthy. All that sounds amazing. Um, so, okay, so now you just like uh, reminded me of the second thing that you said, which is be who you are. Um, be who you are like inside and stuff like that. Um, that is super hard to do, like way harder to do than... To say. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I'm just now coming into a phase where I can say that I do that. Um, and I don't even do that like with every single interaction. There, there obvious, there's like one, like every so often that I feel like, who was that just there? Like, I don't think that was me. <laughs> That's what we said at the start actually about customer service voices and things like that. Um, but like, I feel like, cause we were talking at the start about us doing our jobs and stuff like that. But the, that customer service voice, I think, is us still. Because you are you right now, yeah. still. It's coming from somewhere. Yeah, yeah, but like I felt like maybe uh, the, the example that I might be thinking of is like that it's coming from bringing it back to like the ego thing, like what I feel like this person wants me to be or something, or what I feel like this person might be impressed if I am this way. Wow, the grammar of that sentence, uh, you understood. Um, but uh, yeah, like it was hard for me to come to a place where I felt like my personality, just as it is, was good enough, like impressive enough, like uh, like attractive enough. Like I always like felt like I needed to be smarter or cooler or something and um, and I think probably in the last I want to say couple years very recent did I realize that I was smart enough already and cool enough already um, not exactly sure what happened maybe it was just the passage of time but I feel much more comfortable like in social interaction because of that um, kind of self-worth, I guess, would be the, the term to use that built in those last two years or maybe last three years, something like that. I love this. I love this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think it, it's, it's a tricky paradox because we're always sold that you can be more yeah. and when you're quite a determined person you you naturally want to achieve more things to let's say improve yourself mm -hmm. and i don't think there's anything wrong with self-improvement let's say it goes back to what we mentioned earlier where it's coming from let's say you want to go to the gym because it will give you more energy make you look better etc i think that's absolutely fine but it's knowing that it won't change your self-worth that much like because if you get fat like all of again you'll lose it it's like not attaching to that ideal where still improve yourself like get rich get fit get a good job, get great friends, get money, get get all the things, but make sure you know why you're doing it and actually think, where is this coming from? Is this trying to heal a wound? Is this mm -hmm. trying to paper over some cracks? Yeah. If, if it's genuinely trying to better yourself, because it's, it, it's great, say, to go to the gym and get some money, yeah. then 
fire away and do improve yourself, but be wary of where it's coming from. Yeah. That's my theory. Yeah, and I think that to heal a wound, to truly heal it, great, but to like kind of just put it away and not look at it and just cover it with something else, uh, that's when we have a problem. It can be very tempting, right, to just pretend that our flaws aren't there or our blind spots just aren't really prominent, yeah. but they will creep up on you, yes. literally. Yeah. Especially in like more intimate relationships. Mm. Yeah, there gets a point where you can't wear the mask any longer. Yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> it happens. I'm wondering, we were talking then about you've, in the last couple of years, got to a better place of self-acceptance. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> Sorry to interrupt. I remember that something that I was thinking while you were talking. Um, uh, so I was talking about like how I just kind of realized that I was kind of good enough, I want to say, um, quite recently. And I kind of remember, um, I was kind of, playing in my head these little these little clips of me like before this time when I would look at someone and be like wow they're so comfortable with themselves like you can tell that they're not pretending they're like so comfortable they're just like easy and like it's just whatever they already are is being you know conveyed to the people around them and I would look at them with such like kind of envy I'd be like, oh, I just want to be like easy. I don't want to have to try to be anything because I'm like, I'm not as good as this person or whatever. And now I can kind of, you know, you can kind of look at yourself from like a third person perspective every once in a while. Like I feel like, oh, I'm, I'm that person now. And it's like, ah, finally. And it wasn't, yeah, it's just a fun thing to be able to do, to like look at how you used to like view the world and people and then kind of look at yourself now within that, within that world and be like, oh, this person's different. This person's operating differently. This person is the person that I would have looked up to four or five years back. And that's, I think, the fun thing about... Having a third uh, person perspective. Yeah, I like uh, it. the fun thing about just growth, to be able to do that. I completely agree. I've seen examples in my own my own life actually where I've thought, wow, I would have envied this person four years ago. Yes. Now I'm that person. Yes, I'm that person now. <laughs> You always want to like pat yourself on the back, yeah, not then, in an egoic then, way. Yeah, and then <laughs> to think like a step further to be like, oh, like I'm looking up to like other people now, surely. And like maybe like when you're that person, you'll be like, oh my God, like I, I'm finally that now. And it's just so fun to like have these little steps. Mm. And to get to this point, you would have had to go through things and you would have had to go to, I suppose, a place of understanding. If I, hmm, I'll ask you two questions. Who, like, how would you describe yourself? And if I got, say, three people who are very close to you, Nicole, or Nick, and said, hey, what's Nick like? What's Nicole like? What would they be telling me? So firstly, what would you tell me? And secondly, what would they tell me? Can I have an example? Can you do yourself? Oh, <laughs> oh. Okay, I think me, yeah. I would say obsessive. That can be good and bad. Okay, so this I is that, you describing you. This is me describing me. Okay. I think there's a kind streak. I think I am kind. Okay. I think I do want the best for myself and others, okay. but um, sometimes slightly illogical with my decision making. 
I think that's something I can be, I'm willing to work on to improve. I think those closest to me <laughs> would describe me as obsessive, stubborn, uh, but with that comes a layer of resilience and drive. I think they'd say I have elements of courage and that I do try my best in all situations, regardless of my ability or level, I do try my best. That's what, well, they have told me, but I also think they would say if they met you in the street, okay. for example. This is interesting because you said a couple of things in the second one that you didn't say in the first, which was stubborn mm. and like courageous, but do you not think that you're those things? Um, courage, I always think that I could do more. So to be okay. honest with you, like when sometimes people have given me that compliment, mm -hmm. hasn't really resonated. I think that layers, I think, but I'm always looking at the times where I've not been courageous. Mm -hmm. Like we mentioned earlier, that will more stick. Mm -hmm. Stubborn, yeah, definitely. That links with obsessive though, I think, yeah. where it's happened many times. The whole world can tell me something yeah. and I will listen and genuinely value the, <laughs> the answer, but I, I really can't promise that I'm gonna stick to it. Like okay. my mum bless, like she'll listen to this. She said it. She said it for years. She said it for years. It was stubborn person. But with that comes resilience. Because okay. I think there's a lot of times where if I didn't have that streak, sure. you know, it comes from the same thing. And almost if you take away the stubbornness, the resilience might not be there. Okay. So okay. yeah, I'd say, I'd say they link. I'd say they link. I think that they, like the way that we view ourselves is kind of based on the people around us and what we think that they would perceive us as, right? So I think that there's just so much overlap that can they be two different questions? I don't know. Uh, I think before, the reason I think they're different is because a lot of, when, I, when I've been surrounded by people who in hindsight were the wrong people, mm -hmm. they've described me very differently than I would describe myself. Okay. But sometimes people around you could describe you and you might not have the self-awareness to see that. Mm -hmm. Where I'll, I'll use Maybe it. Maybe a mm. better question would be like, um, like, what is a misconception about you that other people might have? And then everything else, like with the descriptors and stuff like that, would be kind of an overlap. And then this would be kind of like, <laughs> Possibly, know? possibly. Yeah. So what is a misconception people have about you? Ah, uh, okay. Um, so this one was like, uh, one that my, kind of my family and my sister would say. I don't think other people would, but I think my sister would. Um, I think this is the biggest misconception that I can kind of think of. She thinks that I am extremely naive, like that I'm very trusting to people and that um, that I'm willing to like give myself to people like who are close to me, like in, maybe in like a romantic relationship or something like that in particular. Um, and, and to the point where I lose my self-worth so I think that's one misconception. I don't think that other people have very big, outstanding misconceptions about me. They think they're pretty okay. Um, yeah, that's the main one. That that's I the main one that's of. coming to you. Yeah. Yeah, so I've had that one before, and that's true. That's been a blind spot where I've also given too much time and too much energy to people and not given the boundaries. And mm -hmm. boundaries, boundaries. Big, one, big one, yeah. And I was, um, Do a whole up, podcast about that. We could, we could, <laughs> up until like the age of say 23, I used to yeah. kind of subconsciously blame them yeah. and say, Oh, those treated me badly. It's like they did, but you allowed it. And when I, when I turned it on me, I thought yes. I, so many times I could have put the boundary there, and now I'm still getting there, but better at saying, Yeah, I won't take that. 
or even yesterday, uh, actually no, <laughs> there's been a few cases where I've been able to put the boundary, nice. shall we say. But also no shame on mm. not being able to put it there before because yeah. we didn't know how, we didn't. We needed to be hurt. You, you learn from experience. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. We needed to know exactly what was a little bit too much to know where that boundary should stand. Um, and I have so much, like I had no boundaries like growing up. Like uh, I think that's someone who kind of like struggled with a lot of know like abuse and like manipulation and stuff like they don't know where any boundaries are because those boundaries are um, strategically like what would be there naturally are strategically kind of erased so that that person could kind of like take advantage of you and like make you vulnerable like mm. and, and, and make you susceptible to whatever it is that they wanted to put upon you um, so yeah so First, the realization that the boundaries needed to be there was something that needed to happen. And then the kind of creation slowly and, and kind of modification and alteration of where these boundaries need to be uh, to kind of like move them like farther. I want to say like if I imagine like myself like as a thing, like the boundaries like were kind of like over here, like very close to me. I'm putting like my hands like kind of like close to my chest right now. I know you guys can't see, <laughs> but like the kind of like build outward. Uh, until you have like a space, like a bigger space, I'm kind of like putting my hands like in a circle like around my body right now um, so that you can have like your own space and have your own comfort around you and the people will, around you will uh, kind of respect that space uh, and, and, and do the things that make you comfortable and not do the things that make you uncomfortable. Uh, so yeah. How did I get into this topic now? We were talking about boundaries. We were talking about how we would describe ourselves and our uh, blind spots and pain yeah. being our biggest teacher. Mm -hmm. And I think it comes into what we will and won't accept and what is important to 100%. us, which means we have to make some kind of system for our core values, things that are very important to us, like honesty, communication, yeah. whatever it could be. Yes. What are some of yours? Um, honesty... For sure. Like, um, I think coming out of that, uh, you know, relationship that was built solely on lies, uh, I was like, uh, this is super important. And um, I think that some people are kind of honest outwardly, but um, kind of like at a surface level. But uh, people who are like not honest to themselves, which you'll find out later when you come deeper into a relationship with these people, um, are super dangerous. Um, and because they don't lie they're not like oh I was here but I was really here like it's like they're lying to themselves it's like I don't know like I don't want to go into the details um, because I have a specific relationship I'm thinking about in my head right now um, but someone who's like honest with themselves and wants to discover like the people who are closest to me like want to discover like who they are want to explore and and when I give them feedback and when they give me feedback that is like negative or you know you know not like a glowing review like we are so happy to receive that we're like yay like a little tidbit of information that I can kind of dig into uh, and see how what I could get out of this um, I think someone who's like honest with themselves and wants and, and genuinely wants to um, better themselves and to um, make themselves more whole and more um, like a more loving being um, that's a trait that I seek out 
in the people around me and that's a trait that I think I exhibit myself. Mm -hmm. And I think that's key. I think that having the self-awareness, self-awareness was the word that kept coming up for me here. And I can think of certain examples in my own life of those I've had close to me who could not point out a single one of their flaws. Yes. And they were very, very keen to protect that. And even like a slight joke in their direction, they couldn't take. And I thought, "Mm, yeah, for sure. And I think just being able to not, let's say, not be beat yourself up or say how poor you are, but acknowledge that you do still have things to work on. Like we all do. We are humans. And if you don't have that awareness Mm -hmm. and you are lying to yourself, as you say, it will come out eventually. (laughs) Yeah. And honestly, it's a miserable way to live, like to always lie, like all the time. And it's not like an outward lie. Like I said, it's just like. Uh, lens more like the lens through which you view the world that is something that you know in your heart that's not true and you're just trying to you know kind of portray this like it sounds so taxing on the self like for me it's it, it I found so much comfort in acknowledging everything like acknowledging it for what it is it's just you can kind of flow through the world in a way that doesn't feel like you're kind of, I don't know, I want to say like muscling like through, like it doesn't make sense. That definitely makes through, um, yeah. Yeah, and I think I definitely used to do that. Yeah, yeah. I think I've learned, I was stubborn. I was, <laughs> I was a very stubborn and obsessive person, so I've definitely tried to muscle my way through mm-hmm. at times and it's not quite gone the way I want it to. When we talk about feedback, I love this because yeah. I've done it too. I've actually done this, 360 feedback, where I will contact people who've been in my life for certain periods and said, basically why aren't we speaking anymore what was good what was bad dramatic <laughs> and the people gave me very honest feedback now i oh wanted i wanted honest wow. i wanted the honest feedback mm-hmm. but you know when as soon as you get it your your ego takes over and i had hired about 2 minutes where i had to calm the ego down because initially i wasn't like that i was and then i thought they're saying it for this a reason why I asked. yeah yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. once you know it digests little traits that i thought were endearing obviously weren't um <laughs> certain things i could have improved on and i think having people around you like that who aren't sycophants but also aren't rude where people in a very honest and caring compassionate way can deliver you your blind spots and keep kind of keep holding you accountable did they all crucial. deliver in a caring compassionate way though yeah Wow. They actually did, yeah, yeah. Because, yeah, and I think, to be honest with you, I look back on that with some kind of pride because I think generally the relationships, they weren't necessarily too toxic. It was just Mm. life happens, you know. So, yeah, generally, I mean, you know, I I don't regret kind of any circumstances because they do happen. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I think having those people around you that will hold you accountable with feedback is crucial, especially in your inner circle. Yeah, 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 for sure. Uh, It's it's fun. Eventually (laughs) you can find fun in it. Um, yeah, it's like people who are like kind of rigid, uh, it's just, it's not, there's no exchange there. And I think that everything for me, like what I value in any relationship, whether it's romantic or like a friendship, uh, is the exchange, like a constant kind of exchange almost. Yeah. No, it is the same as like giving and not just give, 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 not just take, 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 Mm -hmm. that reciprocity. Absolutely essential, yeah. Because if you are in that situation where you're just giving, like the naive person that I I wasn't, you perhaps were, based on what we've said, you just give and give and give and you can't have anything. But if you just take, 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 you're going into narcissist territory. So it's the happy medium. The hard thing is when you know how to give in a certain way and then the other person knows how to give in a certain way and those ways don't 
they're like different and you can't acknowledge that the other person is giving because in your mind these aren't really gifts and then in their mind what you're giving is not a gift so that makes mm. it really we hard. all have different languages we yeah, all have different, different languages yeah and sure. it can't always link and I, I suppose i've kind of understood that not everyone is going to be your best friend yeah. not everyone's going to be your soulmate well yeah. it's literally only supposed to have one that's another topic <laughs> and yeah like everyone just has their own place and some it's more no more than a high on the street and some it's a lifetime of experience it really just depends mm. really are you more introverted or extroverted um, so for the Myers-Briggs, I'm almost split down 50-50. I'm 49% introvert, 51 extrovert. Right. So yeah, it's a nice, it's a nice place to be, I think. I ask everyone this question because I feel like we all have both of them, like we say. Sure. I, but obviously more people are towards one, one thing or the other. And I used to believe I was, let's say, 80-20 introvert. And now I think I'm... 80-20 introvert? I, th I thought I was, yeah. Oh. And now I think I'm 60-40 introvert. So I think I'm definitely not as much as I thought, uh -huh. but I held myself back in my mind where I'd see extroverted activity uh -huh. and go, oh, I couldn't do that, yeah. I'm an introvert. And you can often put that label on yourself and disqualify yourself before entering the arena. And it, I think sometimes it's the same with introvert, like introversion. Like, oh yeah, I couldn't stay at home by myself. It's like, you could. Like the lockdown probably taught you how to do it. But mm -hmm. after about day three, you probably found a rhythm. Some people, I think, didn't. Some didn't, some yeah. didn't, that's true. Some people were just yeah. like, uh, what, what is the word, when you're like treading like water. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, some people were not, were trying to muscle through because they yeah. were just tap tiptoeing yeah. around. Uh, yeah, that's so bad. So do I, yeah. I've really enjoyed this, Nicole, and before we get to the final, I suppose, part where I'm going to ask you about what you're doing going forward, uh, that's just the, the kind of hint of what's coming. Mm -hmm. Has there been a question that I've not asked you that you would have liked me to? cannot think of any right now. <laughs> I ask every guest that question and I just, I'm always interested because a lot of people say no. A lot of people say, oh, I can't think. But then a lot of people yeah. will, for example, the whole time in the conversation, they might have had something in the back of their mind. Oh, no. That's not happening I, I with just, you. I very much went with your flow. Yeah, yeah. and I went with your flow too. Yeah. I think that's why the conversation yeah. in my mind has turned out very well. Yeah. And so thank you very much. <laughs> thank you so much, Connor. If we had a round two, which we will do one day, you are always welcome back if, okay. you, if you so wish. Uh, no pressure. Um, okay. <laughs> so let's say, uh, let's say this is in six months. So March, 2023, <laughs> and I say- Put that in your mental calendar. <laughs> yeah, um, and I say, hey, Nicole, how are you? What have you been yeah. up to? What have you achieved? What, how's things? It's weird to even think of that because I shift so much so often that I can't imagine who that person might be. It's weird. It is, and what I've noticed, we've never actually, we've not actually covered your work throughout this whole conversation. <laughs> yeah, we haven't okay. mentioned your teaching, we haven't mentioned your modeling, is, your yoga. Work, work is kind of, we went a little bit deeper already. Yeah. So to go back to work, which is a level above, would be, I mean, it would be okay if you wanted to, <laughs> but like, I felt like we covered the topics that matter a little bit more. Yeah, we went deep, we went meaningful, and really enjoyed it. You're always welcome back. Thank you very much. The Thank comeback so beats much. the setback. All the very best. This is so fun. Thank you.